We can't sit down and, and do a bunch of figuring uh, if this church is going to go and increase and go beyond their ability, it is going to have to come from the Lord. It's going to have to come by His grace and His power. And I'm confident that the power of God is always right here, ready to be manifested if we'll just let God do what He wants to do through us. You understand? He has to be able to do it through us. Now, I want you to go to Luke chapter number 5, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 17. <clears throat> and I've, I've just kind of placed a, a title on this message tonight, Could We Be Limiting the Power of God? Could we be limiting the power of God? I, I'm confident that God wants to do great things through this church, you being the church. I'm confident that God has the grace to give us the ability to carry that out. I'm confident that God's got the power to make it happen. And so, here he says in verse number 17, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. Now watch this. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power to heal these people and to do something was presently right there. It was. In fact, the Bible says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. And we know that once you get saved, according to Ephesians 1.13, after you believe the word of truth, and the Bible says, then you're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So we know once we receive the Holy Spirit... We know that we have, uh, after the Spirit of God comes upon us, we shall receive what? Power to be witnesses unto Him, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So we know that within us, as a believer, we have the power of God. And when we gather together, that power through God is present. So he says right here that the present or the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And of course, here it says, And the scribes and the Pharisees, began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, He answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts, whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of God hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he arose up before them <clears throat> and took uh, that uh, whereupon he lay and departed his house glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying, we've seen strange things today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. Lord, I think it's one of the great missions passages of the Bible because, Lord, we're going to look at the other passage that you inspired as well in Mark chapter 2, 
that gives a little bit more details concerning what really went on to bring this man to a saving knowledge of Christ and how that the power of God was able to heal him and save him. And Lord, we want that power uh, manifested. We don't want it just present. We want to see it manifested in our services and in our own life. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. <clears throat> I'm, I want to have you, if you would, turn over to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 2. Just go back to the left there. In Mark, chapter number 2, <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> the Bible says in the very same passage here, he gives the details of this healing of this man that had palsy. And uh, I'm interested in the statement that we read a moment ago there in verse 17 of Luke 5, where it says that the power of the Lord was present. You know, just the fact that you could preach on that alone, that, that in itself would just preach, that the power of the Lord was present. Could you just imagine a church service where there may not be the power of the Lord present, what that would be like? And for some, that may be the norm. In a lot of churches, maybe the Lord's presence or power isn't even there. But I want to be a part of a church, and I want to attend a church where I know when I come in that the power of God is present to heal, and that He can do that. And we know that that power uh, to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish <clears throat> through the missions conference is going to have to come from God. Now, to me, it ought to be our desire to come and see lives changed. And it ought to be our desire to see lives saved. We desperately need the power of the Lord to do that because we can't save anybody. The Bible says, without me you can do nothing, Jesus said. The psalmist said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. He didn't say that it couldn't be built. He just said that if you build it without me or if I'm not the one building it, It'll just be built in vain. So men can build, men can build up organizations and men can build churches by numbers. But the Bible says, except the Lord is the one that builds the house, then we labor in vain that build it. So he, he gives the idea that it could be built by man without the Lord, but it would just be in vain. And I understand it's all of him. And I understand the power is in him. But I want to submit to you that the power of God can be present, and yet nothing happens. Now think about that for a moment. That the power of the Lord is present. I know the Holy Spirit lives in me, and if the Holy Spirit lives in me, then I know the power is present. But I want, I want the Lord's power to be able to be manifested, not just present. Manifested means that He activates that power. He accomplishes something through that power. And there, in that verse 17, while Jesus is in this house teaching and He's preaching, <clears throat> the Bible says in that same place were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by. And which tells me that His power was present without respect of persons because He could have healed any one of them. But the reason we don't read that they ever got healed is because of the, the fact that they limited the power that was present by their unbelief, and by their own attitude of self-righteousness, and by their own pride, and by their own legalism. And by the way, those are the things that can limit God. 
Have you ever thought about the fact that God's not limited, but that a person could limit what God could do? God has no limitations. And you're not going to be able to take any limit and place a limit upon God. But we could limit what the Lord's capable of doing through the power that's present. And because when I believe when God gather, wants us to gather together, I really think He wants to save somebody. I think He wants to manifest the power. I think He wants to make it possible for people to go beyond their means. And He wants to be able to take the power and the grace that God can give us to do that. So, uh, I want us to take a look at tonight, out of Mark chapter 2, the details of this story. Because I'm confident that we're either going to limit God or make it easy for God to manifest the power. To manifest the power. I'd rather be in a service where... That power is being manifested. People are joining and people are getting saved and people are making decisions and people are increasing their giving all because the power of God is, is, is working in that individual's life. I'd rather be in that kind of a service where the power is being manifested, not walk into the service and say, hey, nothing happened. Nobody got saved. Nobody was moved. Nobody went to the altars. Nobody did anything. And yet I know for a fact that the, the power was present. The power was there to be able to do it. So, if nothing happens, let me ask you a question. Is it because God doesn't want to do it, or are we just limiting the power of God in being able to do it? And I think it, it boils down to that. I think sometimes we as a church, we, we have a mental ascent to want to see our church grow. We have a mental ascent to want to be able to see our missions giving totals go up. We have this idea in our minds that we want to add to our missions budget. We want to see uh, young men and women within our churches uh, surrendering their lives and going off and getting trained and going into the mission field or, or becoming pastors or church planners. We, we want that. We want to see that happen. I know as a pastor, when I pastor, uh, those are the things I prayed for. Lord, give us some more family so that we can have a larger influence and outreach within our own community. And so, I believe the Bible says that we are, according to 1 Corinthians 3, 9, that we're laborers together with God in the endeavor of getting the gospel into the world. How many believe that we're laborers together with God? That's what the Bible says. Okay? At least eight or nine of us believe that. But the Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, we're laborers together with God. Now, I know that God, if He wanted to, has the power to save the whole world if He wanted to do that. He could just, just like he spoke the worlds into existence, he could just click his fingers and everybody be a Christian, everybody be saved. He could do that, but he wants to use us and he wants to work through us and that's part of the plan of God. So God lays out in the Bible things that we're supposed to do, commanded to do, and then Bible said, talks about how that if we're, if we'll do the things that we're commanded to do, he'll do only what he can do. We can't do what God can do, and God's not going to do what He commands us to do. So we are laboring together with God. If God wants to get the gospel out to the world, we have to be able to take the gospel to the regions beyond. We have to get outside the four walls of this church. We've got to pass out tracts. We've got to witness. We've got to knock on doors. We've got to tell people about Christ. We've got to send forth missionaries. We've got to do our part. Otherwise, you're going to limit the power that God's got to be able to do it. So if we don't do our part, God can't do His part, not because He doesn't want to, not because He's limited. 
is because we're limiting God by not doing what He's called us to do. And I think this Mark chapter 2 passage is an incredible passage on, uh, on a picture, really, of believers. And I'm going to take it a little step further and just say that these believers here uh, would be somewhat a picture of the church. So I want us to notice some things tonight that you and I need to do in order to make God's power manifest, all right? Not just present. Now, I want you to notice, it says there in verse number 1, and, and this is Mark chapter 2, so if you need to turn there, Mark 2, and again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Again, it, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Now, the word noise is an interesting word. I looked up the word noise, and it means to publish. It means to declare. It means for someone to make known. So what was happening is, is that men and women were being, were publishing and inviting and telling people about Jesus being in this house. They, he, they'd evidently knew that he was going to be in this particular house doing some teaching. So they went around and published that and said, hey, we know where Jesus is going to be. Jesus is going to be in this house, and He's got the power to heal. Now, if you go and publish that, and you let people know where Jesus is at, uh, and that He's got the power to change lives, and He's got the power to save lives, and He's got the power to forgive you of your sin, if you publish that and you noise that abroad, it's more likely that people will come if you don't tell them that that's possible. If you just sit here and just decide that the world's going to have to find that out on their own. No, God said, listen, if, I, if I'm going to manifest my power to be able to heal people and to save people, you're the ones that have got to go out and noise abroad and publish abroad and make it known and declare where I'm at and what I can do. And so here, here's a man who uh, the Bible talks about there. <clears throat> it says there, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised abroad that he was in the house. And so here, I got to thinking, who would have come? Who would have come to this house? Well, in Mark chapter number 1, in verse number 40, it says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And uh, so here we've got a leper being, uh, you know, uh, cleansed, and he's he, he's told to go back to his house. Notice in verse number twenty-five, it's or verse forty-four, and he saith unto him, "See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them." But now watch this. But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the manor insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city but was without in the desert places and they came to him from every quarter. Here's one man, a leper, who gets healed and Jesus said, now don't go tell everybody because if you go tell everybody that I healed you, why everybody will come and want me to be a healer. Well, what's he do? He goes and he publishes it and suddenly, everybody from every quarter starts coming. So, I'm convinced when he was in this house, uh, that at least this leper was out telling other lepers, you want to get healed of your leprosy? 
I got healed of mine. Jesus that has the power to be able to heal can do that. And I imagine they'd say, well, where's he at? He's going to be in that house over there. So I can tell you there was lepers that showed up. I, I, as I thought about this, and we could read other passages, but, but we, I, I'm, I'm thinking along the lines here that before this, this story, there were not only lepers that probably came, but there were probably blind men because Jesus had healed the blind. And so there were blind out publishing it. Uh, I'm convinced there was probably divorced people like in John chapter 4, and demon-possessed, and adulterers, and lame folk. I'm talking about everybody that had been touched by Jesus was out noising it abroad that He was there. In fact, the Bible says here that there were so many that came, they couldn't even fit inside the house. They were standing outside the doors. So, as I thought about this in the sense of a mission passage, I thought about the fact that if we're, gonna, if we're going to see people saved whether it's in our church or in our community or in our state or in our country or around the world, we've got to be publishing and declaring and witnessing what Jesus has done in us. We've got to tell Him what He's done in us. Because some of us were, uh, were once divorced or some of us were once drunks or some of us used to uh, you know, go through problems. And so we were all sinners for all is sin and come short of the glory of God. And if God saved you, then you ought to go and publish that and tell somebody else that Jesus has done what done in your life. And if they've got those same issues, they're likely to say, well, hey, I've seen a change in you. I'd like to know, how can I find Jesus? Come on down to the open door, Bible Baptist Church, because that's where the Lord is at. Every Sunday morning when we gather together, the power of the Lord is present. And if you'll come and you'll do what you God asks you to do, He has the power to change your life as well. Now, I believe that. I believe that what we do is we don't, we don't get the lost here so we don't see lost saved. And I know I've had preachers tell me, they'll say, hey, it's not the job of the world to come to the church. It's the church's job to go into the world. I understand that. But what an opportunity on a Sunday or Sunday morning when you're gathering together to try to invite somebody that may not know the Lord. You know what I found in our church? I found that just about every time that we get lost people there, they get saved. Just about every single time somebody comes into our services that doesn't know the Lord, they're there, and once the invitation's given, the Holy Spirit convicts them, because we always present the gospel, and they usually get saved. And so, at least they get the gospel, even if they don't get saved. And so I'm convinced that one of the things that we could do to make God's power easier to be manifested is simply for the church to be out doing their part in publishing and declaring the gospel and what Jesus has done for you. So that's what we read here is that this is what they were doing, is that before the Lord ever heals this man, they were already noising it abroad in this house. And straightway, notice, Verse 2, and straightway many were gathered together. They didn't gather together and assemble together without it being published first and people being invited, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. Now, here's another little thought. This will seem a little bit elementary to you, but I'm convinced that another thing that could be limiting the power of God in some of our churches. Listen, folks, listen to me. You can hold a missions conference and have all the intent and desire to increase your giving, but you still have to, you got to do it. 
It's something you have to do. It isn't going to happen automatically. You could have the desire to say, we want to add four more missionaries this year. That's a great, a good intention. But, but to get four missionaries added, you just have to do it. it. It takes a certain amount of action on our part to accomplish what we need to do. And that's really all the way, all the Lord's really waiting for is that God's saying, I've got all the resources. I've got all the power. I've got all the grace. I've got everything that can make it happen. I just need you to do your part. So if we'll, we'll look at this passage in the light of what they did to get the people there, you're going to find in this passage somebody's going to get healed. Somebody's going to get saved. We're sitting around wanting our churches to grow, but, but what we're trying to do in a lot of our communities and around the world, I'm not simply saying that's happening here at Open Door, but I'm telling you, I said it the other night, I travel enough to see it happening. Instead of letting the power of God do it, men are trying to incorporate their own ideas and their own ways of trying to get the church to grow. They're trying to, they're trying to incorporate their own methods apart from the gospel. I'm telling you, you don't need any more than the power of God that comes from the Holy Spirit to make it happen. And so the power of God was here and they were noising it abroad. And now the Bible says they're assembled together. Hey, how much easier would it be for God to work if the people came expecting God to do something? You know what? They assemble together. The Bible says, forsaking not the assembling of your gather as the matter of some is. It's much easier, listen to me, it's much easier for God to work in your life if you're here. When the Word's being preached. When you assemble. You know, we can't sit home on a Sunday night or a Sunday morning or a Sunday school and expect God to... Take care of my marriage or, or, you know, our marriage are falling apart or I'm losing my job or we can't pay our bills or we're fighting amongst one another. Or, I've got trouble with my kids. Hey, you want God's power to be able to work in your life? You need to come and assemble together with the church and be in your place. And by the way, not just come and assemble, but I'll guarantee you that all of these that came on this day, because they knew Jesus was there, they came with the expectation that Jesus was going to supernaturally do something. They'd already heard him doing it in other people's lives. I mean to tell you, that's probably what happens a lot in charismatic churches. Is that somebody goes out and says, hey, I went to this charismatic church and he hit me on the head and I got healed. And oh, hey, I threw my cane away. And, and they talk like that and they run around the neighborhood. The next thing you know, they get some of these people in the neighborhood that are on canes and so forth to come to their churches. You know why? Because they believe... That if they can do it in that man's life, they can do it in his. Now, I don't believe that we're living in the day where men in in and of themselves have the ability to heal. I believe Jesus can heal anybody. I believe God's got the power to change any life. But I don't believe in in, in, uh, faith healers today. I think it's a sham and exploiting people and so forth. But I'm just simply telling you that, that if somebody got healed and they want to tell somebody else in the same condition... They would get them there and assemble. And when they came, I think they would come with the expectation. Now here, I've thought about this. I think a lot of times we come to church because we know we need to be in church. Uh, to encourage one another and exhorting one another. The uh, Bible says so much more as you see the day approaching. But I don't think a lot of times that before we get here, we come with the idea of expecting God to do something. In other words, do we take the time... To maybe pray before we come to church and say, God, I want to go today and I'm expecting you to work in my life. I'm expecting you, Lord, to change this 
that I've been praying for. Lord, I'm coming with expectations that, that something's going to happen in the church today. Somebody's going to get saved. Somebody's going to get their life changed. Somebody's going to surrender. Somebody's going to get the altar. Lord, I'm coming with expectation. And I think that's why they came. And I think it makes it easy. Listen to me. I think it makes it easy for God to manifest the power when He's got people that come assembled with the expectation that they expect Him to do something. Sometimes we don't see anything done because we don't expect God to do anything. We come into the service, well, yeah, the preacher preached, but nothing really happened in my life. You know, I went to church all day. Nothing's really changed in my life. Did you really come expecting anything to happen? Because if you came expecting God to do something, He's more likely to be able to manifest the power to do it than if you don't come expecting Him to do anything. So here they not only noised it abroad doing that part, and then coming and assembling together, but then notice the third thing here in verse number uh, 2. He says, Straightway many were gathered together, and so much that there was no room to receive them, not so much as about the door. And He preached the Word unto them. Now listen, there's power in declaring the Word. There's power in assembling together. There's power in preaching the Bible. And by the way, before the man was ever healed, the preaching of the Bible went, preceded it. There's always to be preaching before there's to be healing. You can't get somebody saved if you can't preach the gospel. You've got to preach the gospel to them. So the power to, 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 to preach the Word. Uh, I didn't say he preached his opinions or himself. It doesn't say that or his thoughts or his ideas. And hey, a lot of that stuff is good. Men get up and they preach a lot of their own stuff and, and a lot of it's true and you can't, uh, you know, deny that a lot of it's good stuff, but most of it's just not the Word of God. Most of it's not God's Word. There's power in preaching uh, uh, the Word of God, but there's no power in just preaching our opinions. There's no power in just preaching ourselves. Paul said, preach the Word. Listen, preaching the Word of God might be foolishness unto the lost, but the Bible says it's the power of God unto us that are saved. The Bible says when you, we get away from preaching the Word and preaching the Gospel and preaching the cross and preaching about the blood, then we're going to limit the power of God to be able to do what He wants to do. <clears throat> we shouldn't be afraid to preach, by the way. Isaiah 58, in verse number 1 says, Lift up your voice like a trumpet and tell my people their sin. We ought to be, we ought to be willing to preach everything that this Bible speaks about. We ought to be able to preach on the resurrection. We ought to be able to preach on the Holy Spirit. We ought to preach about sin. We ought to preach on hell. We ought to preach about the love of God. We ought to preach about the judgment to come. We ought to preach on the local church. We ought to preach on eternal security. We ought to preach about separation and Christian living. We ought to preach about uh, all the everything that's in this book. We, we shouldn't be afraid to preach the Bible. Because the more we preach the Bible, the more the power of God is, is open to be manifested. So we just need to learn to preach. I'm just trying to give you some thoughts here about God saying, hey, you know why I can't, I can't give you the ability to do what you spiritually have intentions of doing? is because you're not willing to do what I've asked you to do. I've commanded you to do this. Let me ask you a question. Has He commanded us to go out and be witnesses? Is that a commandment in the Bible? Yes, it is. He commands all of us to be a witness. If we're not doing it, then don't expect Him to manifest the power. Are we commanded to assemble together? Yes, we are. 
if we're not here, then don't expect Him to manifest His power. It, it, we're commanded, preach the Word. If we're not going to preach the Word and do what God's commanded us to do, then His power is going to be limited in, in being able to accomplish what we want to accomplish. So the Bible is simply letting us know out of this story here that these people published it, proclaimed that Jesus had the ability to heal, and they came and they assembled together with spiritual expectations that God was going to do something in this house. And so what did He do? He stands up. Instead of healing them, He preached the Word to them. And when He preached the Word to them, why, we see what transpired. Notice, notice something else here. There's power... There's power in a cooperative spirit. In verse number four, or verse number three, it says, And they come unto him, bringing one sick of palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they laid down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. Now, here, here's the, here's the situation. Four men, heard about Jesus going to be in this house. Four men, instead of taking off and getting down there, said, you know what? There's somebody up the street here, a friend of ours, that's got palsy who couldn't get here. One of us four guys go and get him, grab his bed, pick up his bed, all four of us on all four corners, lift his bed up, let's carry it down here where Jesus is at, and let's take this man with palsy and bring him in and give him to Jesus because I know the power of that it's in God is present to heal him. So four men cooperated together to go down and get this soul so he could be brought to Jesus. Now here's, here's, here's my thought about this. Missions in a church requires a cooperative effort. It doesn't mean one person. It means all of us have to work together. It's like all of us saying we're all going to do our part to go get somebody or send somebody Missions can't be done by one. It's got to be a cooperative effort. And I can just imagine when they got down there and they bring this man to the Lord, they didn't stand there and argue on which one's going to carry which side of the bedpost by sitting there going, hey, I want that side. No, I want that side. No, I like, the, I like to be on the right. No, I'm left-handed. They'd have never got him to Jesus if they're standing there fussing and fighting over how they're going to carry him. A lot of times the Lord can't do what He wants to do in our churches is because we're fussing and fighting over what position we get to have or what we get to do rather than just cooperate together. Hey, there's power in a cooperative spirit within a church where there's unity and there's cooperation. And the Bible says here in Luke 5, 18, it says they sought means to bring Him to Jesus. And I realize sometimes the liberals take that to mean and to an extreme that they sought means. They mean that, hey, you can go beyond the boundaries of the Bible or the traditional ways. No, that's not what it means at all. I do think sometimes we get so conservative that we sometimes don't try enough things. But listen... There's nothing wrong with trying some things to get people to Jesus as long, listen to me, as long as it doesn't violate the integrity of the Scriptures. As long as we're staying within the bounds of the Bible. If we have to denounce separation or we've got to somehow move the lines of separation to get somebody to come to church, I don't believe that's God's way. If we're going to offer them a different kind of a gospel just to get them in, I don't think that's God's way. No, we, we just have to cooperate together and do what God's told us to do. And, and it takes a, 
it takes here, the, it, it, he, them just carrying him together. And the Bible says when they couldn't get him, get him into the front door because the people were there looking into the kitchen or the living room or wherever Jesus was teaching in that house, the house was completely filled to the press. It means that everybody was pressing up against one another and, and, uh, and, and trying to get through the door. The Bible says they couldn't even contain all the people that were coming to be healed and to hear Jesus teach. So they couldn't get the man with the bed and palsy through the door. And nobody was going to make a pathway. So the Bible says here that they went up on top of the house. They must have got up on the house and started pulling the tiles back. And they bore a hole in the top of this house right over the area where evidently they knew Jesus would be. And then they must have got some rope or something and, you know, used a little ingenuity and tied it around the four corners of the man's bed, possibly. And a couple of guys got up there and lifted up the bed. and The others lifted up. The four of them got him up on top of the house with his bed. And the Bible says that they let him down through the tiling in the house so that he could be right there in front of Jesus to be, to be healed. And that's exactly what happened. Sometimes it takes refusal to be defeated. It takes determination to find a way, uh, it, it, you know, to get creative without violating the Bible and the Scriptures. I don't think that, the, you know, someone itched their head and said, well, we can't get him in the front door. Hey, buddy, I, I, we, we wanted to bring you to get healed, but these people won't let us in, so I'm sorry. You'll have to stay with your palsy. No, the guy said, hey, I got an idea. Let's use a little little different means to get him to Jesus rather than through the front door. Let's get him down through the tile. It doesn't make any difference how we get them to the Lord. We all came to the Lord in some kinds of different means, but we all had to come to the foot of the cross the same way. We still had to confess that we were sinners and that Jesus placed our faith in Him. But our stories are all a little bit different. I was saved in the Philippines and knelt down at a couch 48 years ago, and a man witnessed to me, and maybe your story is that somebody else gave you a track and maybe you came to a church and you walked the aisle and got saved in a church. Or maybe it was your mother or a relative that led you to the Lord. I mean, God uses all kinds of different ways and means, but it's all the same plan of salvation. So the Bible says here that the power was present to heal, and they went ahead and didn't allow the challenges, and they didn't allow the opposition uh, to stop them. And sometimes we're going to have to use a little ingenuity when we're challenged and we're, and we're, and there's opposition. By the way, anytime that you start to find a way of increasing your giving or doing something that'll make your church better, the devil's always going to send you opposition. The devil's always going to send you a challenge. Now be persistent, just like these men went, be persistent, find a way to get it done, and when God sees that you've got the faith to get it done and being persistent, His power will give you the ability to make it happen. When I came here, and I, I've, had, I've heard the story many, many times about the miracle on 35th Street. Many times, my brother uh, Montoro, when he comes to the college. And I would imagine that he himself has seen the Lord manifest himself and his power over and over and over again. Regardless of the kind of opposition and trials and challenges that you face with a building like this in a city that has so many rules and bureaucracy and so forth, you still you just you just keep doing what you know you need to do, and God does what you and I can't do. 
And the same thing with Brother Newberger. I visited over there at Greenpoint. When I walked in and saw the basement, I thought, man, this is just like a modern church down here. Praise God. If I lived over in Greenpoint, I'd go to that church too. I mean, it was set up just like a regular auditorium about this size right here. Just bright and beautiful and nice podium and so forth. And then we went upstairs and I saw another project and said, Woo, are you kidding me? I mean, wow, what a project. Man, this is going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of physical labor. And then I heard stories about, yeah, and they're not going to let us change that. And yeah, they're not going to let us. Hey, the Lord has the power to do anything. To do anything. Sometimes we let those challenges and opposition stop us. What we need to do is just find another way without breaking any of the rules in the Bible or breaking any rules of the city. And by the way, there are ways. We just pray that God gives us wisdom to find those ways. And when God gives us the wisdom to find those ways, He, he does it. And get it done. There'll be a, there'll be a time. There will be a time when you're gonna, this, this, there'll come a time if the Lord tarries where this auditorium will not hold all the people that's in this, this community here. And you're gonna have to come up with another way to get more people in with just the same space. We're gonna come a time, Brother Newberger, there will come a time when that building will be done and that you'll move from the basement to the upper level and there will come a time, if God tarries, where you'll have to say, what are we going to do now? We're going to go to double services? I remember when we were building our first little auditorium building, we built a little auditorium that would seat not quite 200, but almost, about 190. We could cram into that first building. And I remember for a number of years, I, when we built that, I thought, man, this is the biggest auditorium I've ever seen. Because <laughs> I'd never seen one before that. So, uh, oh, this is a nice big auditorium. And after a while... We were getting a number of years. We filled that up. We went to double services for three years, and we filled it up again. And then I said, you know what? We've got to build. So we, we bought land across the street. We put up a 500-seat auditorium. When we moved our church into that auditorium, it seemed like, man, we'll never fill this auditorium. Why, this thing is so, it's a whole 500 people. Plus the classrooms. Why, we could hold 650 at this church. Now John's got, after a number of years, we built that church in 1996. And now it's like 12 years later. No, it's, it's 22 years later. 22 years later. And when I turn the church over to John, he's got problems now. The building is so full, he don't know what he's going to do. So now he's thinking he's going to have to hold double services in that building. I'm telling you, if we'll do what God tells us to do, God will always do what He and only He can do. Don't try to do what God can do. Just do what God's called us to do. Here's the last point, quickly. <clears throat> Notice it says here, And when they could not come nigh, verse 4, unto him from the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, where he was, and when they had broken it up, and they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said... Now, here's the first time we see Jesus doing other, anything other than preaching the Word. Here's the first time that the power is being manifested. And Jesus saw their faith. He said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And he manifested the power and forgave the sins of this man and healed this man. I don't think he just saw their faith. 
I think their faith was wrapped up in their publishing. I think their faith was wrapped up in them us coming with expectation. I think their faith was wrapped up in the fact that they were brought a man that they cared about, that they wanted to see healed. I think their faith was also seen in Jesus when he saw that they were persistent enough to do whatever it took to get the man down to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they finally got him down before them, the Bible says, when God saw their faith, poof, he manifested the power that was already present. He manifested it. And the man was healed and forgiven of his sins. I'm simply trying to tell you this morning or this evening that God commands us to do our part. And if we'll do our part, He'll do His part. Now, He's commanded us to give to missions. We're commanded to do that in the Bible. We're commanded to assemble. We're commanded to bring people that need Christ to our church. We're commanded to to be faithful in our own place. We're commanded to go out and publish the Word. We're commanded to stand in our pulpits and preach. And you know what? If we'll just do the very basic things that God's asked His church to do, He'll do all the rest. He'll do the rest. He'll heal people. He'll save people. And by the way, your church will be able to go beyond their power. You'll be a witness to it. He'll give you the power to be able to increase your missions far beyond. Because when he sees your faith, when he sees you doing what he's asked you to do, he's obligated to do what he's promised that only he can do. So let me just quickly recite these. There's power in telling others. There's power in assembling together. There's power in preaching the word. There's power in people cooperating together. There's power in being persistent in times of challenge and opposition. And there's power in demonstrating faith in Jesus Christ. You know why? Because faith, promise, missions takes faith. Takes faith. When it comes time to tomorrow, in our church we do the cards. It isn't always that everybody fills them out. I'm always kind of a little depressed in our church because when the cards get turned in, they never match what the people give. Never. I, I've never understood that. There's no place for their signature. There's nobody that's going to know who gave the card. And all we ever ask them to do is just check off an amount that they intend to give. So if a guy sits there and turns to his wife and says, Honey, let's give $40 a week to the church. And the card says 40 Why not just put a check mark in the 40 and turn in the card? And then that way the pastor would be able to forecast what the church is going to be able to do for missions. How hard is this? But you can't get everybody to do it. Man, the cards get turned in. We count the cards up. And we stand there going, we're not even going to give as much as we did last year, according to these cards. And then that year gets done, and they end up giving like 35,000 more to missions than they put on the cards. We've almost got to the point in our church where we're taking the card and going, throw the card away. And just say, Lord, you just let the people give what they say in their heart they're going to give. Because they've been giving, they've been giving, physically giving more than they ever put on the cards. But it takes faith, whether you're putting it on a card or whether you're making a commitment in your heart. You're going to have to have to have faith that Jesus can make it possible. I think someone came up to me the other night and said, what if you're on a limited income? What if you're on a fixed income? How do you give more if you're on a, on a very fixed, limited income? You give it by faith. It's a faith promise offering. You make a promise to God after He lays a figure on your heart 
You know, and it has to come from the Lord. Don't just stand and go, well, if that's the case, why then, honey, let's give $500 a week to missions. Don't be foolish about it. But I can tell you this, if you had the faith to believe it, and God gave you that much of a figure, He wouldn't give you that figure unless He had a way to make it possible to happen. But I'm just saying to you, and once that you know what the figure is that God would have you to give or increase, you're going to have to then believe by faith after you've made your promise to give it, and believe by faith that God would supply it every week or every two weeks whenever you're giving it to the World Missions Program of your church. You're going to have to believe by faith. You know what God wants to do? He just wants to see your faith to make it happen. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. You know what's even... I know this sounds crazy, but I've often said to my staff, why do we hold a missions conference every year? Why do we do this? (laughs) <laughs> it's like, we're going to have another missions conference here in January, and uh, the uh, Schmutzlers are going to be there, and, and we'll have some other families there. We're going to go through the exact same thing we do every year. Try to challenge people. Brother Hetzer will get up and try to challenge people to increase their mission giving. And yet every year they know, if we're going to do more, we've got to increase. It just seems to me like, we could save a lot of time and energy if the pastor would just get up and go like this. Folks, we want to do more this year, so we all need to increase. Everybody in favor? Hi. Okay, let's move on. It'd be that simple. But somehow it, it seems like it takes a week's worth of meetings, and, and, and I'm sure glad after eating your food that you had international dinners too. That's a part of a missions conference. Someone say, well, we may not need to have a preacher come in every year and preach a conference to us, but we better not give up that international dinner because that's a part of my faith, you know. (laughs) Well, I would agree with you. We have those international dinners at our church as well, and we dress up. It's all a part of just trying to give us a mindset and see the needs of others to help us let the Holy Spirit move us to say, I think I need to do more. To get us focused off the world and back on to what God wants to do. I'm simply here tonight to say this to you. The power of the Lord is present. Now all we have to do is allow Him to manifest that power. And when He does, you'll see your giving go up just like the Macedonian churches did. They'll give beyond their power, even in a time of affliction, even in a time of poverty, He said, I want you to wit the grace of God that was bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. Hey, he's the same God. He's still sitting on the throne. He has the same resources. I think he could manifest and bestow his grace on this church. He could do it tonight. Instead of, you know, we're going to meet tomorrow and have church services and worship God. And I'm anxious to be here. I'm going to preach messages tomorrow. One that some of you probably aren't going to like, but I'm going to preach one tomorrow morning. And uh, you'll have to come and hear it. But I'm going to preach one tomorrow. And by the time tomorrow night gets here, the missions conference is over. And then you have the rest of the year to figure out what's going to come in for missions above what came in the year before. Are we going to be able to do more? I think everybody in here ought to have the desire, if you're a member, I want to see God do more. I want God to do more through me. I want God to manifest that power. Let's all stand together tonight.
I think a simple question should just be asked. Are we doing, are we doing everything God's asked us to do? And if we're doing everything that, that we know God's commanded us and asked us to do, then we ought to be seeing the results happening. And if the results are not happening, it could just be, it could just be that even though God still has power, we're limiting, limiting His ability to manifest it. Lord, I pray that's not the case here. I'm so uh, excited about Open Door Bible Baptist Church and what's being accomplished here. Uh, I'm so thankful for the Montoro family. Lord, I've never met a family that works harder. I've witnessed it while I'm here. Every member of this family works hard all day long in different areas to make things right and good for this community. I pray that you'll bless them for their efforts. And I pray you'll bless Brother Newberger as well as he is doing everything he can do to be faithful over there on, uh, in Greenpoint. That, Lord, that you'd bring people to that church. I pray that tomorrow night, Lord, we could rejoice to know that this church is going to do more this year than they've ever done before. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We're going to have just a music play and invitation. I'm going to ask Brother Pete to come if he would. And if you'd like to come and use the altar tonight, maybe the Lord...